Love must be sincere. Aim what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherhood. Honour one another above yourself. Never be lacking in fear, but keep your spiritual firm, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in the prayer. into what Rome was like. Uh, it was a, a dominant superpower. Uh, the prevailing culture was promiscuous, corrupt, and unequal. It sounds awfully like uh, modern world, doesn't it? It was definitely not a place that was pro-Christianity. And so our reading today is a continuation of the letter that Stephen used last week to, show, to encourage us to not be ashamed of the gospel. And you know, the, the way the spirit moves when we are not ashamed of the gospel, because that is the power of God, uh, as we heard last week. Uh, so this is a message to people who are living under pressure in a hostile environment. And this chapter 12 is a real pivot in the book of Romans. Uh, it's a real uh, important part where, where Paul shifts his emphasis. Um, and so as we turn to look at what it means to have a sacred space of a table. Uh, it's worth sort of recognizing where we are in that letter and in that encouraging uh, message that Paul wanted to share with the, um, the first question. So we have the next slide. Here we go. Oh, just a simple table. Uh, now, the sharing of food and meals and banquets 
come very heavily through the entire Bible. Uh, you've got Abraham, who had heavenly visitors. In the Levitical laws in the Old Testament, there includes provision for how foreigners are to be cared for, to offer hospitality. In Proverbs, wisdom personified uh, invites people to her banquet. And of course, if you go through the Gospels, Jesus was present at many, many meals. He ate with sinners and was criticised for eating with sinners. He went to Zacchaeus' house, and what a transforming uh, moment that must have been and was for Zacchaeus. I would love, love to be a witness to that conversation. He ate with the Pharisees in Luke 14. He had a meal with the Pharisees. He fed the 5,000. He stayed and accepted hospitality at Peter's house, and people came to Peter's house to meet with Jesus. He cooked breakfast for the disciples after the resurrection and offered them food. That table was just some hot coals on the beach. And after the resurrection, he met with the, uh, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and it was at a meal that they realised they were in the presence of Jesus. And as I've already said, and we've sung that song that looks forward to Christ's return, heaven is described as a banquet. Tables, the places we eat, are sacred places. And hospitality is something as Christians we are called to do <coughs> and called to accept. <coughs> and Paul gives us this key verse in chapter 12, verse 13. Next. <coughs> Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So I thought there's only one real theologian that we can turn to in this moment when we need to find out about hospitality, and that is next slide, Tom Kerry. Um, now, I do know he's not a, uh, not a uh, theologian. He is a chef, and he's recently uh, on BBC Two done a programme, The Hidden World of Hospitality. Uh, so, and as I've been watching this series, it's available on iPlayer, and it's a, a, it is an interesting series to look at what goes on behind the scenes in takeaways and hotels and holiday homes and all that sort of thing. But as I was watching this, I began to realise that there's a lot of parallels between church life and offering hospitality as an industry. Uh, so the first thing he, he talked about, we need two more slides. The first one is that if you're running uh, a hospitality venue, you need to be willing to take a risk, uh, particularly over through uh, the pandemic and the cost of living crisis, hospitality venues are having huge problems. And some of them are having to take quite big risks to work out how can we keep this business going. And so there's only one way to find out. They take a risk, they see if their new concept works, a new menu item, and they take the plunge. And in church, sometimes we need to be willing to take a risk. Take a risk to say that actually I am going to say grace and help with neighbours, even though they might be claimed atheists. Uh, but we need to find these ideas and be willing to just have a go, take a prayerful punch. The next thing that in the hospitality industry needs to do is to understand the context. Um, there was a wedding venue that was in an area where they realised that they had a large Afro-Caribbean locality. 
So they then got somebody who was in and understood that culture to provide a wedding package uh, for the Afro-Caribbean uh, local population. <coughs> now, if a church, if we decided that we wanted to put on a, uh, a service in, I don't know, in French, it probably wouldn't be much use here unless we suddenly realised we've got a large French-speaking population that we don't know anything about in Wilton. So we need to understand our local context. And then the last one was that uh, the hospitality industry needs to prioritise the needs of the customer. Now, of course, we don't call people that come into church. <coughs> but what was really interesting was when these um, uh, restaurateurs and, and their chefs, you know, people had booked their meal, and then at the last minute, somebody says, oh, by the way, I'm allergic to shellfish. Or, oh, actually, um, this is all lined up, and we know where everybody's sitting, we know where the vegetarian is, or whatever, and then they move, they swap places. And, of course, to the front of house, they just have to roll with it. In the in the kitchen, they, they kind of like, right, okay, quickly, let's sort everything out. But as a church, we do need to prioritise the, the needs of people who don't yet know Jesus. Because we can't just do everything how we want it to be. You know, if a venue decided that, well, I, I really like, I really like, you know, cheese, so that's the only thing we're going to serve, that venue is not going to survive very long. But we need to make sure that we are meeting the needs of people around us now. The, that story, I haven't heard what you said about uh, Simon Cook's friend, recognising that the church cared for Simon in his hour of need. And there might be people, our neighbours, uh, our friends, our relatives, who are in need, that we can offer a form of hospitality. It might not be a meal, it might be uh, something uh, that they need uh, that we can offer. Uh, so let's, that was just the introduction, by the way, don't worry. Um, I will keep on. Um, but in chapter 12, we can learn a little bit more about what it means to give Christian hospitality. Now, if, if chapter 12 is a turning point in the book of Romans, uh, it's deliberate that I've started at verse 9. Because verse 9 says that love must be sincere. That is our heading. Um, in a lot of Bibles these days, there are extra little headings put in. They're not original, they don't form part of the text. But in this instance, Paul has, in essence, given us a heading. Verse 9, sincere love. And so the subsequent verses can be thought of as bullet points about what sincere love looks like. And that's the most important thing think about of our motivation for offering Christian hospitality. It is born out of sincere love. Paul doesn't say that hospitality is born out of, uh, as I said, cordon bleu, cordon bleu uh, cookery. It can be something very simple. The most important thing is the love, not the food, not, not the, the style of the coffee, you don't have to be a professional chef or a barista. It's all about the sincere love. And 1 Peter 4 verse 9 tells us to offer hospitality without grumbling. Not offer hospitality without grumbling. No muttering under your breath that only people have come anyway. I invited them, but I didn't want them to come. 
be a cheerful host and just be grateful for the opportunity to show love and care somebody. Now, sometimes I know we don't decide, we don't, we don't really feel terribly loving towards people, particularly if we're getting to know neighbours that we've never met before. But we can just make a decision to be cheerful and welcoming and not begrudging and stingy with our hospitality. Because sincerity of our love is demonstrated by what we do how we respond to people, how we respect people. If we do so begrudgingly and uh, without showing them real, a real sense of care, it belittles the value of that person. And we are all people made in the image of God. Everybody we meet is made in the image of God. And he is not a God who the little people. He's not a God who looks down on some and uh, thinks that some of us are more important to him than others. So make love our motivation for sharing uh, hospitality with those around us. And then that key verse that we looked at before, verse 13, is in two bits. The first part, verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. So hospitality is about meeting the needs of others in acts of day-to-day -day care. It's not just fellowship, though fellowship is a great part of it. And next week, as we said, we've got a potluck lunch. So please do come and stay for lunch, bring something to share. And it doesn't have to be big or you know, just bring something and share a meal together. We can get to know each other. But those are the times when we might find out that actually we're able to offer somebody a lift to pick up a prescription, a lift to get to an appointment that they uh, wouldn't otherwise be able to get to. Those are all forms of sincere love and form a form of offering hospitality. Now, when Paul was writing this letter, there would have been Christians in need of some of the basics, food, shelter, clothing, and he's telling the believers to make sure that everybody is okay. We look to Acts 2 and we hear about the church. Everybody had everything in common. And we are called to help without judgment and condemnation. We're called to alleviate the suffering of our fellow believers. We are called to love each other. And it's hardly a demonstration of love in the body of Christ. If some people are in need, some people are full and some are hungry. That is the criticism that Paul gave to the people in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when they gathered around the Lord's table. Some come hungry and come some full. That is, there is no place for that in the body of Christ. We are called to meet each other's needs. And our hospitality should be a reflection of that, of our concern for others. And then finally, the second half of verse 13. I've, I've just realised I've done that thing where you say, and finally, you've got another point to go. Sorry. Sorry. Um, the second half of verse 13 says, practice hospitality. So we've said that our hospitality should be born out of sincere love and it should help to meet the needs of others, our fellow Christians. And it's tempting to think that saying practice hospitality is saying practice those first two things. Practice being loving 
and practice alleviating the, the suffering and the struggles. Practice helping other people around you. But actually, this is a third and distinct and different thing that Paul is saying. Because uh, the NIV translates it quite straightforward as practice of hospitality. But both those words have a greater and deeper meaning. So uh, the word translated practice in the Greek actually means pursue. It's a proactive, active uh, thing. It's pursuing, find out ways to offer hospitality, seek the opportunities to do so. Um, the people in Rome, the Christians in Rome, this was this was a place where people didn't have, if they were visiting, they weren't, you know, premier inns that they could just easily check in. They had to ask and invite people, would you like to, do you need to come and stay with me? Be active, find imaginative ways, maybe take a risk, uh, as we said from uh, earlier. Take a risk and invite somebody. Uh, be the one to instigate a get-together. Um, sometimes we need somebody to invite us out. So, you know, there has to be two parts to that. But make sure that you are finding ways to offer hospitality. Invite people out. But don't forget, Jesus gave a warning uh, and advice in Luke chapter 14, verse 12, about who we should be inviting. And I'm going to read it from the message because I think I, I just love, I think this is really uh, great phraseology. But Luke 14, the next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite friends and family and rich neighbours, the kind of people who will return the favour. Invite some people who never get invited out. Invite the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favour, but the favour will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. So Paul here is saying, pursue hospitality, be proactive, invite people. Ingvar said, he was told, well, you can invite them, but they won't come. They might not, but invite them anyway, and they might come. I didn't know. Um, but the next word that is translated in our Bibles as hospitality is actually the Greek word for love of the stranger or love of the foreigner. And actually, in most places in the New Testament, where you read the word hospitality or hospitable, it means love of stranger. It's the opposite of xenophobia. So what Paul is actually saying here is pursue love of strangers. And this was particularly important to the Christians in Rome. It was a melting pot of where people would come and visit and strangers would come and visit. So they had great opportunity to pursue the love of strangers. Because if we only invite people from our own if we only people who are already saved, we are missing out on a huge opportunity to share the gospel. Be imaginative in finding ways to love strangers. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, back in the summer when it was a particular, you know, we had like, we had about a week, didn't we? It was really hot in early September. 
and I had some chuggers come to the door. Do you know what I mean by chuggers? Charity muggers. Uh, you know, the people that just, have you not heard that phrase? Yeah, people have heard that phrase. Um, people that kind of are, you know, come and um, support whatever charity it is. And they come, uh, they come to the door every now and then. And it wasn't a charity that I came to support, but I noticed uh, that there were two of them and the, the one of them had a, was clutching an empty water bottle. And I don't know, I just went, would you like me to fill your water? And she was really grateful. And I thought, you know, why have I done that before? Why, why? And that, that is offering hospitality. It's really simple. And it wasn't an opportunity to share the gospel, but it was a way of showing love to a stranger. And delivery drivers, you know, some of them, if you have the app or the, the monitor where delivery drivers, they have about a hundred odd calls to do a day. If it's appropriate, and I appreciate, you know, if it's a woman on their own and it's a male delivery driver, you're not probably going to do this, but some, do you, want, do you need a bottle? Do you need some water? Or do you need to use the loo? Because it must be horrible being, you know, absolutely desperate with a counter saying you must go to your next stop in however many times. So uh, offer hospitality. You can be imaginative. Uh, Hebrews 13.2 says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So welcome people in, welcome people who you don't know without well. Welcome strangers in. Make sure that we are offering sincere love. Build those relationships. It will take time. But what I would encourage you to do is to make that time. Find ways to get to know We have, actually, less than three months, to the carol service. A great opportunity to invite people to church. But if that's the first time you talk to them, that's probably not a wise thing. Over the next year, get to know them a little. And then it will be easier to invite to the carol service. Once you've got to know them and they've got to know you, it will be easier to share your faith. So what is the sacred place of our table like? Do we have a table where it's only people that we already know that we invite? Do we have a generous heart that gives food and care and love? We open this service with the words of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. The food that he offers is life-giving. Do we gather around a table that we might offer life-giving hospitality? Bring an invitation to strangers to meet and to accept the bread of life. So let's return for a moment to Tom Kerridge. I, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to describe in the last episode. It goes behind the scenes when him and his team are doing hospitality at Twickenham for the uh, England-France match. His team are providing lunch and a hot lunch it looked too. And there was also a chance to meet and greet with Tom, to get an autograph or a selfie with, with the chef himself. 
The tickets for that, for that event cost a thousand pounds each. We have something far greater than a meet and greet with Tom Ferridge. Now I've brought one of my cookbooks and it wasn't until yesterday, and I'd already emailed this to Keith, I thought, oh, I've actually got a cookbook signed by Tom Ferridge and I genuinely have forgotten. So if you want to come and see his author, I'll be kind of funny at the end. But we have something far greater to offer, far, far greater. We will gather around this table. It's the gift of grace from God. So let us make it our mission to have a table that offers loving, caring, Christian hospitality. Make it our mission to show sincere love. Make it our mission to make sure that the needs of our fellow believers are being Make it our mission to love strangers, to care for them, to be active in seeking out those opportunities that we might show that being part of the community of believers, that we may know that once we have partaken of bread of life, the hospitality we offer is out of this world. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for that amazing invitation that you invite us to. That you stand at the door and knock. And when we answer that door, you come in and eat with us. Lord, thank you that the invitation isn't just for a meet and greet, but for a life-changing, life-lasting relationship. Lord, help us to show that love to others. Forgive us when we have been begrudging and stingy. Forgive us when we have seen strangers not as people made in your image, but as problems, as people who are less than us, as people who deserve less, as people who don't deserve your love. Forgive us, we And change us that we may be bearers of your light into the lives of others. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Amen.